Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. Understanding a future with COVID. While the surge in Delta variant cases of COVID have obscured the finish line once again, the pandemic will come to an end one way or another. Oh boy, that is optimistic. I certainly hope so. I don't see it, but I know at one point it will. An article from The Atlantic says that this time will come when enough people in the population have gained some level of immunity, either through vaccinations or infection. Then COVID will become endemic. It won't be wiped out entirely, but it won't be nearly as deadly or dangerous. The Atlantic article examines how our lives might change as our relationship to the virus changes. So let's review what they say. When relative initial immunity has been established, we will see fewer hospitalizations due to the virus. We might get booster shots to reinforce that immunity. While cases may keep cropping up, they may be much less dangerous or newsworthy than they are now. How COVID becomes endemic is also dependent on how much of the virus mutates. According to The Atlantic, it's not likely the virus would evolve so much that our immunity would fall away entirely. It's more probable that immunity against infection with the virus will weaken first, but will maintain our defenses against more severe illness for much longer. This was the goal of the vaccines in the first place, and while there has been breakthrough cases, they've generally proven to pass muster so far. The virus will also continue to mutate in response to a population's existing immunity. This is natural, and we've already seen it happen in viruses we're more accustomed to, like influenza. Infections with the virus in these cases can also be somewhat beneficial. They serve to update the immune system, serving as a booster in its own way. There is also a cultural and psychological shift to endemic status. When relatively widespread immunity is established, we've also begin to understand a COVID diagnosis is ultimately benign, as typical as the flu or strep throat, and that will be a period of transition as our risk tolerances shift. And also, let me just say, when that happens, what will we do, like share with our children, our grandchildren about the great pandemic of 2021, 2019. I don't even know what year we're in right now. As I'm looking over to my wife, that time will be remarkable when the virus does become endemic, kind of like the flu is. And just to remind you guys, and I'm sure long-term listeners of COVID noise filter know this, but the 1918 influenza virus, that virus is still circulating today. (laughs) Right. In fact, every year when you get a flu vaccine, you know, if you get the trivalent or the quadrivalent, so if you get the one that's got three influenza uh, viruses or the one that has four trivalent or the quadrivalent, one of those (laughs) is the influenza virus of 1918. So usually you get two influenza A and one influenza B. And one of those two or three influenza A's 
are a direct descendant of that 1918 influenza. So at one point, people who were experiencing the great influenza epidemic of 1918 or pandemic of 1918, it did eventually become endemic. And 100 years later, we're still dealing with it. And I anticipate the same thing will be with the coronavirus. And in fact, at one point, you can look forward to a vaccine that I have since named the Fluvid vaccine. Or it could be the co-flu vaccine. <laughs> the fluvid vaccine is flu and COVID, fluvid, or you could get co-flu. <laughs> uh, regardless, we are going to unfortunately have coronavirus for a while in our lives. And I think that moving forward, we will see the viral effects become less and less as more and more people are either vaccinated or infected or both. And when that'll be, we don't know. The other variable here more than anything else, and that's incredibly important for us to recognize, is the importance of us vaccinating the globe. Without us vaccinating the globe, we miss an opportunity to get everybody vaccinated at once to reduce the likelihood of transmission of variants. That will happen. There will be an appetite for us to vaccinate the globe. When that'll be, I don't know. Hopefully sooner than later. Vaccine cards are impractically sized. For many Americans, it's become more and more necessary to carry a record of COVID-19 vaccinations with them while on the run. Many workplaces and colleges have mandated vaccine or required routine testing of the virus. The city of New Orleans has even required proof of vaccination or negative test to enter restaurants or bars. Because they've become significant part of daily life, an article in the Atlantic poses an important question. Why are those cards such an inconvenient size? The cards are too large to fit easily into a wallet. They're too small and routinely necessary to be stored with records like birth certificates. The Atlantic says this impracticality is symptomatic of a generally decentralized and practical approach to keeping record of the country's inoculated. There's no national database to keep track of these inoculations. Instead, the federal government keeps tabs of vaccines reporting at the state level, which results in an incredibly variable data. In fact, there's a chance the cards weren't meant to be used as proof of vaccination at all. The vaccine card template was originally accessible on many state government health sites, and currently it's still on Florida's state website. While one state said they've done it to make it easier for local vaccine providers to make the cards, it also makes it easier to print fraudulent ones. One professor at the University of Pennsylvania said that a better system for documenting vaccination would have been two documents, a large document that included follow-up appointment dates and information about side effects, and a plastic wallet-sized card. Some states have attempted to supplement this inadequate documentation system by creating smartphone apps or other digital documentation systems for the vaccine. New York City created an app for verification that still has some bugs, and the state of Louisiana integrated a COVID verification feature into LA Wallet, their digital driver's license app. And this is what we're using here in New Orleans, is we're really encouraging folks to download that LA Wallet, Louisiana Wallet. Again, even if you don't use the digital driver's license app, which has a a fee, I think, of like $5 to be able to use that app. They are allowing you to download the app 
and it has your vaccination status there. And that is actually free of charge. And as a musician here in New Orleans who plays in bars and nightclubs, it's very, very, very refreshing and good to know that everybody that's there and the club has been vaccinated and is also wearing masks. So these masks and vaccine mandates are great with respect to being able to help stem the cases especially with what we saw with this incredible Delta surge here in New Orleans. And so, yes, I don't think that those those cards are really meant to be proof of anything except that you got them done. I will say this. I was taking care of a patient in the hospital and uh, he was uh, completely vaccinated, but he was elderly with multiple comorbidities. And he proudly walked around with his laminated vaccine card around his neck to show everybody that he'd been vaccinated. And I asked him if he was just doing that just in the hospital. And he said, no, he wore it everywhere he went. He'd been vaccinated in April and wore that laminated card around his neck everywhere he went. He was very proud of it. And it was a pleasure to be his physician while he was in the hospital. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs, Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to NoiseFilterShow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.